Praise God and good morning again, everyone. I know there's still more folks coming in off the coffee break, which is awesome. How we doing? Am I going to be okay there? Is he hearing okay? It seemed like okay. As far as you know. Okay, good. That's awesome. Very good. Well, if you will, if you're here, you can turn in your Bibles to Isaiah, the 54th chap- chapter one more time. As we get ready to begin, uh, just listening to the, to the word of God and what the spirit would say to us corporately as a church family. And so I'll open us in prayer while you find your way. Lord, we love you so much. So grateful to gather today. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. Thank you for the written word that is your will. Lord, thank you for how you've kept it and preserved it. Lord, how you have uh, protected it uh, and secured that it gets into our hands and into the hands of people around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you ever know, I mean, again, this is not part of the message, but it'll be free. Here's the appetizer, right, uh, and stuff. Just, to, it's really worth becoming a student of the history of the Bible. Well, if you've never studied that subject before, it's worth your time and energy for nothing more than to see the protecting and uh, the sovereign hand of God on the book that you're holding, whether it's a literal book or whether it's a digital book, it it, it truly does not matter, right? But the way the Bible has been preserved by God and is expanding even today around the world is truly amazing. And it's worth doing how it got there and to see the faithfulness of men and women throughout history that have secured the right and the privilege that we have to have a copy of the Bible in our hands. Does that make sense? Again, one of my mo- the, and one that sticks out to me from my own life that was modern when we were at Bible college and we were studying for missions. One of the guests that came in that talked about different types of missions ministry that you can have was a gentleman that his whole ministry was as they took mylar balloons and in the North Korean language they would print the Gospel of Luke on both sides of this balloon. And then when the winds would be right and they would blow from the south into the north, he would get as close to the North Korean border as he could and fill up balloons as long as the wind was blowing. And he would release literally hundreds of balloons. And then in the class he was there, he literally reaches into his pocket and pulls out a balloon and tells the story of how the balloon in his pocket landed in a North Korean farmer's field who found it, read it, received Jesus, escaped, made his way to South Korea in search of the man who sent him the word of God on a balloon and said, this changed my life. So there are people today, I remember we're in Mexico, you want another one, we're going in, it's still the wildest place we were in the four years we were in Mexico, we went to a little village called Shanangia and Shanangia was hanging on the side of a cliff. I mean, it was a, almost a vertical village, the, the steepness of where they built this village. Um, and they put me and one, the only other guy at the bottom of the village, and the church was at the top of the village. So we had to hike every day up this, about a half mile up this mountain to go do the services and stuff. Uh, but we were there, we were there for a couple of days, and we were coming out. And when we were coming out, and how old are you two young ladies? 17 and 18, so just a little bit older than you, we ran into two ladies, not too dissimilar than yourselves. They were 19 and 21, and they were entering into the villages. We were going out, and I talked to them, and they said, oh, we're Wycliffe Bible translators. 
and we're going into the village I just left. Now, my team and the one we led, we were the first white people they had seen. Right? First time they had ever seen non-Latin people in their village bringing the gospel. Right? And then right behind us were coming two young ladies like yourself who were Wycliffe Bible translators. And I was talking to them and said, yeah, we'll be there at least 10 years. Because they'll have to learn the language because it wasn't written. They'll have to create the language, have to teach the people to read their own language, and then they'll get the privilege of translating and writing the Bible out. We're the first two. There'll be two more that'll come behind us after about 10 years that they'll go in. So all guys, around the, the fact of what you hold here should never be taken for granted. Right? And the history behind this book and its preservation and people who are still today dedicating their lives to the production and the distribution of God's word is astounding. Amen. And it's worth your time and energy to study. So that's all free. That's all there. I'll let you have that one for free. What did I tell you to go? Good. I'm glad somebody was paying attention. Come on, now, we're going to have some fun, right? Y'all going to laugh at church? Remember, y'all hear me say this all the time. Church should be enjoyed and not endured. Amen. <laughs> if you're ever enduring church, especially here, let me know. I'll tell more jokes. Yes. Can I use a microphone? I hate using microphones, Kevin. But I will. For the benefit of other people, I will use a microphone. Okay, well, there we go. I just uh, The reason why is, is this reminds me of an ice cream cone, and I don't know if I need to lick or speak. One of the two. <laughs> Hold these things in my hand. And I'm a hand talker anyway. If y'all know those that know me. This is like having one of my uh, communication tools tied down uh, when I hold this thing. But Isaiah chapter 54, we're going to continue talking about what does it look like and how can we expand our hearts. We looked in Psalms chapter 119 around the 112th verse where it says, I will continue in the course of the word and you will expand my heart. So you have to know that as you commit and dedicate yourself to saying, Lord, I'm going to continue to govern my life or allow the word of God to govern my life and allow the word of God to be the final authority in my life. That as you do that, God promises you that he will expand your heart. He will broaden your life. Now we're looking here, we're all very familiar with Isaiah chapter 53, the great prophecy of what Messiah would do when he came, how he would take our iniquities, he would bear our sins and our sicknesses in his own body, how by his stripes we were healed, right? How he was rejected so that we can be accepted. Does that make sense? But the 54th chapter is the prophecy about what then the Messiah's work will produce in our life. So 53 is the prophecy of what Messiah would do. 54 is, this is what will happen when you believe on him. And it says, Sing, O you barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing, cry aloud, you who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. It goes on to say, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations, and they will make desolate even the cities that are inhabited, or that they will inhabit the desolate cities. Let me read it to you. I think this is the message uh, Bible here. 
If I remember right, I didn't make a note of it. It says, increase is coming. So what will the gospel produce in your life? Increase. Increase, Right? It will produce increase. So increase is coming. So enlarge your tent and add extensions to your dwelling. Hold nothing back. Make the tent ropes longer and the pegs stronger. You will increase and spread out in every direction. Your sons and your daughters will conquer nations and revitalize desolate cities. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what the gospel is going to produce in your life. The gospel will produce increase. So expect increase to come and begin to allow God to show you how to enlarge your life. How to make your life bigger to receive the increase. Now, what increase is that going to be principally? Right? We talked about how that principally what you're going to see is an increase of the two eternal things. Now, please hear me. I know that we talk about prosperity, and yes, God will increase you financially. I want you to say this. I don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Right? It's not wrong. It's not evil. It's not wicked. It's just nothing you should worry about. Jesus said, don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. He says, unbelievers worry about that stuff. Believers put their attention on seeking first the kingdom. Do you see that? So please hear me. I am because I can be accused of that sometimes. I am a prosperity preacher. That is me. Right. But what I mean by that is, is, hey, listen, God's going to prosper you. So forget about it. Turn your attention to the kingdom, right? Turn your attention to other things. Turn your attention to the two eternal things. A little bit of a quiz. Y'all are kind of quiet this morning. What are the two eternal things? Number one, God's word. word. Number two, the hearts of men, right? The two eternal things on the planet are God's word and the hearts of men. You can sum up what it means to seek first the kingdom by letting those two things be the center of your priorities, What does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? I am going after the expansion of God's word, both in my life and in the life of another. And I'm going after the expansion of the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit in the life of another. And those are the things I invest my life into. Those are the things that govern my decisions and my priorities. How do I order? And that's not just because I am a quote unquote preacher. Right? That's for every believer. And whatever it is you have decided that God is asking of you to do, you're doing it for the purpose of the expansion of the word of God and the expansion of the hearts of men. Does that make sense? Those are our priorities. So when it says then the gospel will increase you and increase is coming, then what is going to be increased in you is the word of God and people. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the first one, I get lots of hallelujahs always for the first one. Yes, yes, Brad, I want more revelation. Hallelujah, more revelation in God's word. Yes, I want to know the secrets and the mysteries of heaven. Right? And everybody gets really excited about that one. And you should. And you should also get just as equally excited as about the other one. That is... (laughs) That as God expands you, he's going to give you people 
Hallelujah. Again, do you understand that there's a big concept? It's a, it's, a, it's a biblical word called stewardship. Now, again, normally you hear a preacher talk about stewardship and everybody goes for their wallet because it means Brad's going to talk about the building fund, right? He's going to talk about the, the next project, right? No, stewardship just means I am managing with the mind towards increase a good that belongs to someone else. Right. That's all biblical stewardship means is that I'm going to manage with the mindset, the concept of to increase it. And it's something that actually doesn't belong to me. It belongs to somebody else. Right. And so those things, the, the revelation God gives you is to be stewarded by you. When God shows you things in the Bible, when he gives you insight into the word of God, you are to cultivate it, meditate on it, study it, note take on it, talk about it. I mean, all kinds of stuff we could talk about that's worth doing, right? And cultivate that revelation, sow it into other people's lives, increase it, right? And again, we get real excited about that. Yeah. But we should get real excited about the second one too. God is going to give you people, Amen. He's going to expand you. Increase is coming. He says, so expand your life, expand your world to receive the increase that is coming of his word and people. So when I talk about expanding our hearts, I'm going to be really, really for the next while camping on the people side. Because we all get real excited about the word side and should. But, you know, even you hear, and it's one of those things where I have to kind of bite on my tongue because I don't want to be mean because I invited a guest minister to come here just a couple of weeks ago. And he said one of my least favorite comments to ever hear a speaker say ever is, well, the ministry would be awesome if it wasn't for the people. Nothing to be honest. You want to know what rubs me? Exactly. Well, Well, you know what? rubs my cat backwards is where that that thought now i know he was saying it tongue in cheek i know we say it as a joke but it should never be a reality in our life amen (laughs) does that make sense never ever 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 we love people amen i love what god gave his life for does that make sense I love what God said. It was so valuable. The only thing in creation that can equal what this is worth is myself. And that's you and I. That's people. Right? So if I ever find myself, man, the ministry, our work, our ex, sure would be awesome if there weren't people in it. If I ever find myself ever saying that, right, I should take my own self to the woodshed. Amen. <laughs> I should give myself an, my own spanking, right? And say, no, 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 no. That is not the heart of God. That is not my heart at all, right? We love people. Does that make sense? So, and I talked about that, right? Last week, we talked about three things. We talked about two of them that will be expanded in this passage. Your voice will be expanded. Expand your voice, your words, what you sing, what you declare, how you praise. We talked about expanding your schedule, buying up time. Y'all remember that from last week? Hopefully you've been meditating on that. 
talking about. If not, you can check out the podcast. The, the message is there. Expanding your time, lengthening your schedule, making room for the things that come. And then lastly, and where I want to spend some time is talking about expanding your priorities. Expanding your priorities. Now, what do you think the priorities I'm talking about are? People and the word. The most important priorities we could have is the word of God and people, right? I'm going to spend some time on the people side, right? How do I begin to expand my life towards people, right? How do I do that? What are some things we can do that will help us to lengthen our cords, strengthen our stakes, right? And allow more room for people in our life. Are you ready? So go to Hebrews chapter 10. And y'all praying with me? I hope y'all come here praying, believing we're all going to hear together. Two people are. That's awesome. Amen. (laughs) Here's a very famous one, especially for us churchgoers. Hebrews the 10th chapter. I'm going to start in verse 19 because that's kind of where it comes from. There's a therefore there. We don't have time to look at why the therefore is therefore, but it's worth your time to look at. It says, therefore, brothers, have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's talking about God's presence. By a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest who is Jesus over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, up until that point, we all get really good, excited, and amens, right? Amen. Preachers come and they start talking about these verses and we're, amen, praise God. We get to enter the holy presence of God in boldness with a new and a living way because Jesus through his body has made a way from us. He's our high priest. Amen. Isn't that true, Kevin? And we can draw near with a true heart. Man, my conscience has been sprinkled from dead works by the blood. I thought y'all would be shouting a little bit better by now. Amen. Isn't this awesome? Amen. And then it says in verse 24, and he adds an and, a conjunction. He's about to tie the next two things together to all of that. Verses 19 to 23 are some of the great redemption verses of your salvation. Right? The realities of your salvation. It is a real reality that you have boldness to come to God. It is a real reality that Jesus is your high priest. It is a real reality that your heart has been sprinkled from an evil conscience and you are free in your conscience. It's a real reality that you can hold on to the confession of your faith and not waver. And it's also a real reality that it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Then it goes on, and we all know this one because preachers normally preach that to the people who showed up and not to the ones who were there, right? (laughs) And not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some, right? But all the more as we see the day approaching, let us gather together and exhort one another, right? And then I normally would go on here and talk about church attendance, Kevin. You should be more faithful to come to church. You know what I mean? You should, you know. Amen. Y'all all all right this morning? 
<laughs> but this whole, these two verses that have been classically used to talk about church attendance are not really talking about church attendance. They're talking about these are the products of your salvation. They're, they're in the same context of I'm holding on to my confession of faith. I have a high priest in heaven. My conscience has been sprinkled. And consider one another. That word consider, and you probably heard me say this before, and I will. That word consider is an interesting Greek word. It is a visual word. It literally means to open your eyes, to look at intently, and to see truly who someone is. It means I am going to consider you. Again, there's measures of consideration, right? We all begin, right? We all open. I can look. I'm going to pick on Tony because he's my friend and he'll let me pick on him, right? But I can uh, look at Tony and I can see Tony and there's some considerations I can make just off the cuff. He is a man. I can consider his gender. I can consider his quote unquote race. He's Caucasian. I can consider his marital status. He is married. I can consider, to a degree, his socioeconomic status. Right? I can kind of look at where he lives. I kind of look at what he drives. Now, again, you have to, that one is a grain of salt because he may have really good credit. (laughs) And it may not mean anything other than he's got really good credit, right? But I can look around and I can at least know, ah, I know where he wants to be. He may actually be there or he may just want to be there. Right, because I've also met millionaires who you'd never know they were millionaires, because they showed up in overalls and old ratty T-shirts, and then you get to hang out with them, and they pull out a big old wad of hundred-dollar bills out of their pocket, because they pay everything in cash. Right, so again, but the, all of that is considering, right? But for me to truly consider Tony, is I need to take the time to look at him and get to know him. And know his likes, his dislikes. To know what blesses him and what doesn't bless him. To know what motivates and doesn't motivate him. Does that make sense? Again, I had the privilege and pleasure a a year or so ago to work for Tony at his restaurant. With. With you. I got to work with you. right? And that's why I said I didn't work for you. I worked with you because you were there. But also it was funny because Brad being Brad. Right? There'd be times... I'd be doing something and Tony would show up and he'd go, Brad, come here. And he'd, and he'd call me over. He says, I don't ever want to see you do that ever again. <laughs> right? I said, okay, yes, sir. I'll be glad to, you know. And he corrected me. And through seeing his correction of me, I knew what he wanted. I knew what he liked. I knew what he didn't like. Does that make sense? It was a different level of consideration. All of that is all part of considering one of seeing someone. Knowing someone. Guys, that's part of your salvation. It's as much part of your salvation to develop the ability to look into people's lives and to know them as it is to develop the reality of who I am in Christ, my salvation, my new birth realities, all these great spiritual things that we do and should teach on. We should also teach on the reality of, hey, listen, that will produce in you a desire to consider people. But that word consider means I look deeply into you. 
That's not a, just a, a surface consideration. It's not just superficial. It's taking the time to look well into someone and see them for who they are. Guys, listen to me. You've heard me say this. People want to be known. Amen. Yes. First Thessalonians 5.12. Uh-huh. What does it say? Know them, and we beseech you, brother, to know them which labor among you. That's exactly right. To know those that labor among you. To know, we, we are commanded and instructed that the gospel will produce in us a desire to know people, to see people, to consider people. Amen? Amen. Does that make sense? And notice what happens when we do that, that same verse. When I consider someone, what gets stirred up? Love and good works, the text says. Right? When I look into someone's life, the action of seeing someone is the platform by which the Holy Spirit can then work and move stuff up. Can I, can I say this boldly? How many of you have heard people say, we just need a move of the Holy Spirit, praise God. We need a revival of Pentecost. Hallelujah. We need God to come down and revive. And again, I'm being a little bit mean here. And it normally happens when our person doesn't win the election. Right, there's a greater call out. Right, Lord, we definitely know there's there's a time of revival coming. Why? Because my dude didn't win. <laughs> Come on now, I can meddle just a little bit, can I? Is that all right? I'm gonna make it a little bit real for us. Amen. But here's what happens, though. You know why we probably don't have a move of the Spirit? It's because we stopped considering people. We stopped giving the spirit the platform by which to move us on. So how can we expand our life? How can we increase our dwelling? It has to start with going, okay, Father, I'm going to begin to see people. I'm going to begin to take the time to see people. And to consider them. And again, on the front end, again, I'm not talking about being creepy, right? Because sometimes we've got creepy Christians, right? They come up and they look at you. And I'm going to look into your soul, David, right? <laughs> you know, and I'm going to look down deep into your heart. And people are like, oh, God, he's, he's scary. Uh-huh. Yeah, like said the sloth, you have beautiful eyes. Right? <laughs> And we're going to look in. No, no. You start always by you look up and you consider, oh, I see some things. I'm going to just begin to see what I can see. I'm going to begin to engage you on what I see. And just that small step, guys, begins to start the process. It opens the door. Amen? All right, let, let's keep going. Y'all kind of looking at me funny. Where do I go? Go to John chapter 4. Holy Spirit, as always, we're so dependent. I am so dependent, Father. John chapter 4. We've talked about this many times. It's one of my favorite of the Jesus stories. It's Jesus and the infamous woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And again, you always say, if you read that, I don't have time to go through it. That was a rough day for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus started out that conversation thirsty and tired. And he ended that conversation thirsty and tired because she never gave him a drink of water. 
But he left that conversation with his soul satisfied. And we talked about it some weeks ago, how that there is something that is more satisfying than having your needs met. Jesus had a real need that he needed met that day. He needed to have a drink of water. Jesus never had his need met. Jesus' need was never supplied that day. Right? But he said, but there's something more satisfying to me than having my needs met. And that's investing into the two eternal things. That's investing into the soul of another person. And we see that. So, and they go on with that, you know, in, in verse 27 of chapter 4, the, the disciples come up and they're wondering why he's talking to a loose moral woman. They actually kind of tongue-in-cheek accuse Jesus of seeking a hookup. And he says, hey, listen, I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for, I'm, I'm so satisfied. I have food you don't know of. So in verse 33, so therefore the disciples said to one another, has someone brought him something to eat? And Jesus answered them and said, my food is to do the will of my father who sent me and to finish his work. Now notice this, verse 35, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? But I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are already white unto harvest. So guys, I wanted to look at this verse because it highlights another aspect of considering people. Right here, Jesus tells the disciples, listen, I need you to lift up your eyes and look at this woman, the Samaritan woman, differently than you've seen her before. You need to lift up your eyes and see her as ready to receive what we've come here to give. Because before they had one perspective of her that limited their heart reaching out to her. What happened to the Jews, right, is the Jews, they, they thought it was for them. <laughs> they thought, hey, we're the special people. I'm God's special somebody. I'm the highly favored, exceedingly blessed of the Lord, right? I'm God's super duper special person. Amen. And this is for me, right? And he said, no, listen, when you see people now, it's not just I need you to see them. I need you to lift up your eyes and see them. I need to have you see them from a certain perspective. I need you to see them as ready. Guys, listen to me. In your world today, when you bump into somebody, the real reality is, is that because your path crossed with them, they're ready for you. They're ready for you. Amen. Come on now. If I'm believing that God is guiding my steps, right? If I believe that God is ordering my steps, these are all good verses. We all probably got them on our fridge somewhere, right? If I'm believing that he straightens out the path before me. I thought I'd get better amens from y'all. Amen. If I'm believing that he causes the, Selena prophesied about this morning, if he's causing the roadway to rise up and meet my feet, if I believe that's what he does, is that what he does? Yep. Then I also must believe that when I meet somebody on my path, they must be ready for me. Because they wouldn't be on my path if they weren't ready for me. 
Amen. You're here today, so you're ready for me. Right? You may be changing your mind about coming back next week. But today, you're ready for what you're hearing today. See, I have to believe that, that you're ready for what you're hearing today. I've had to learn to stop doubting and questioning myself. To sit there and say, no, no, i got to share what's in me to share. Because if you showed up, I must believe you're ready for what God wants you to receive. It's time we stop limiting people before they have a chance to show us how far they want to go. Does that make sense? We have to see people as ready. We have to look at them as ready. We have to look at them with the perspective of, hey, if you're standing in front of me, you're ready. So let me give you what you're ready for. Let me not hold back what the Father has given unto me. Because if you're standing before me today, if our paths have crossed, you're ready for the God that's on the inside of me. Yes? If we're limiting them, we're limiting him. That's a great thought, Tony. That's right. Absolutely. If we limit people, we're limiting God. Right? If we're, lim- we're limiting the power. Yes, Cedric. Can I share a short testimony? Sure, yeah. All right, so, and this is how I came to meet Brad and Selena. Um, but I think it was two summers ago we was down in Florida. Uh-huh, at, at the men's thing. At the men's thing, yeah. you know. And the first time I really, I, I spoke to Brad once. And, and then the first time I really, like, saw him sewing, we were on the, the that big, long. The pier, pier. yeah. And so we talked briefly. You know, and I've probably talked to John Fenton more than anybody. Yeah. You know? And so we, we got back from there and then some, we had some big event at our church or whatever. And we had all these chairs to move. Pastor Mark and somebody came in and said, hey, you have to move those chairs? I'm like, sure. Nobody was in there. And then all of a sudden, Brad, and I think it was two awesome kids. It was Caleb and Savannah. They were just helping move the chairs. I'm like, oh, this is a relief or whatever. I got to talking to them, and they were like, yes, sir, no, sir. And I'm like, these kids are freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so probably a couple months after that, they had like a small group, you know, and, and Wendy was like, hey, come on, um, let's go up here to this small group or whatever. I'm like, okay. So I knew of you guys, but I didn't know you guys. And it was at that small group where like a solid connection was made. Like, God's going to cause your road, mm-hmm. cause your road to Very meet good. your feet. And that's where he calls your road to rise up and meet my feet. And now here we are. That's right. Amen. You know, Praise God. It's, it's, a, it's a God-ordained relationship. Absolutely. If, 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 if they cross your path, you're ready for them. That's exactly right. And, and, and Cedric, I appreciate you. Then I, and I'm, I'll give you the $20. I'm <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing. But I uh, just had to make that joke because it's just, it was a softball. It was too easy to do. Um, but, you know, guys, Cedric, what he talks about is, is remember, that's a process too. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That, that people will show up and it's a process. Right? Just keep touching them in the process. Just keep moving with them in the process. Keep considering one another in the process. Right? And, <sighs> help me, it's, there's so much going on. My, I'm trying to slow my brain down. Is you have to understand this. It's a two way road. Right. I have to. Let me think I had a. The only one. Let me back up and say it like this. The only one. 
that I can control their transparency and their vulnerability is me. So I've had to learn how do I live as crystal clear as I can. Right. Again, I'm glad some of y'all showed up last week because last week I cussed in the middle of the message. Y'all remember that? I, I swore right in the middle of the message. And, 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 I, and that's a part of me that's still being renovated. All right. But I did. I swore in the middle of the message. And I thought, oh, man. I swore. These people are all going to leave. The pastor cusses. And I, and I did. And I have to be honest with you. Just being transparent. I think, man, I, if I hope people come back next week. I do. I do. Because this kind of stuff, you know. That, that's good. Well, already forgotten. Praise God. Y'all more holy than I am. That's awesome. More spiritual. But here's the thing is, is, is what I mean by that is, is transparency is, is, is I want you to see my flaws. I want you to see what I struggle with. So you planned it. No. I just, I just don't hide it. I know, no, I, I've learned not to hide it, Miss Pam. I've learned, because we throw out that word vulnerability. Remember, vulnerability is only as good as me. Yeah. It's only as good as I'm willing to be vulnerable, because I'm the only one I can control that with. Mm-hmm. But see, the thing I've learned, and the reason why this is important, is if we'll learn to turn our opacity off mm-hmm. and, and get clear and clear and clear, what you're actually doing is you're letting people consider you deeper. And the more they're able to consider you, you're giving more room for the Holy Spirit to stir up love and good works. See, when we put the good old Southern church face on and and we got the mask up, right? Then we're, we're, we're not letting people have a shot at considering us. And by doing so, we're limiting what the Holy Spirit can do. It's all pride, bro. Come on, man. It, it's, it's a big part of pride. It's a big part. Can I, man, I wouldn't even plan on going there. Is this all right? I hope y'all come back next week. So it's, uh, um, in the South, or especially in the church world of the South, we, we, we have a real problem with what's called pretension. Everybody know what I mean by that word pretension? Anybody never heard that word before? <laughs> And the reason why I've got to say that is, is I, okay, good. Thank you, David. No, for real, the reason why I say that is, is dude, I, I phone, I came home from being, I, I left Alabama. I was born here. I was born right, I was born in, down there in Birmingham, but I lived right over here, right by them people, right? Over off Red Hill School Road, right where Red Hill School Road used to meet what was called back then Route 3. Now it's called Mount Olive Road, right? And I just live right over there. I grew up over there. We own 27 acres over there, right? So I, I'm from here, but I left here. Right, and when I left here, and I was gone twenty years, there's a lot of stuff that I got to see, and and, then, and when I come home, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not realize how pretentious we were <laughs> as a people. I'm talking about pretentious. How do I know that we're pretentious? Because I threw out the word pretentious, and people thought I made it up. <laughs> For real, people thought that that wasn't actually a word, and I had people challenge me. That's not a word, and I said, dude. Pretension is, let me Google that sucker for you. And they go, I never heard of that word before. And that's when I knew, oh, we have got a real problem. Because we don't even know this exists. We don't even know that's a word. 
Right? But pretension, right? Pretension is pretending to be something that you're not. That you really wish you were. That you would like to be. That you hope you would want to be. It's definitely what you want people to perceive you as being. Guys, again, if I can not to, to meddle too far, it's why our credit stuff is so bad. It's why people live in so much debt. Because they're pretentious. They want you to think they own that thing. Guys, listen to me. I don't own my house. Mr. Cooper owns my house. That's my mortgage bank guy. He owns my house. That nice white car out there, right? The, who does that? The Wind South Credit Union in Aniana owns that truck. <laughs> right? I mean, just to, don't look at that kind of stuff and go, wow, they're doing awesome. I might be. Or I just might have really good credit. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? Now, please hear me. Credit's not a sin. Right? I'm not saying credit's wrong or evil or wicked. It's not necessarily the smartest thing in the world. The Bible says it's not the wisest thing you could do. Right? But we have to be careful because what it also does is, is it's not who I am. It's... Does that make sense? And so we have to learn how do we expand our heart for people is I got to turn my opacity way down. I got to get as crystal clear before people as I can. I got to let people look real deep and hard into me. And I need you to see why, because I'm trying to show off. No, because if I'm reading scripture right, it's what causes the spirit of God to move. And so if we can all learn to, on twofold, turn our opacity down so I can be known. And then learn how to look at people and see them as ready for Christ and His work. Man, guys, we can create an atmosphere in our world that will cause the supernatural to flow. Because again, what I'm about to unpack with you guys over the weeks is if if I'm reading Scripture right, Jesus was real good at this. Jesus was real good at being real transparent and being real, real. And he had this way of looking at situations and people and allowing what he saw to move him into action. Do you see this? It's why it's so important that we learn this skill. Now, how many of you are just a little bit scared right now? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Some of you aren't. Some of you are not. <laughs> it's hard for all of us, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's again, because we're trained, especially here, especially here, we are trained not to do this. Don't, you know, again, we, have, we even have cultural sayings. Don't let them see you sweat. We make deodorant so people don't see us sweat. Never let them see you sweat. Right, don't, huh? Fake it till you make it, (laughs) right? All those, we have these kind of things, right? In church world, it looks like this. You walk in and go, so Audra, how you doing today? And they go, I'm blessed, I'm highly favored, I'm the anointed of the Lord, right? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) The first time I went to Iredale, I walked with somebody 
was generally just like, hey, how are you? Bless and highly favor, I'm the head, not the tail, I'm above and not beneath. I was like, all right, it's nice to meet you. Right. <laughs> right, it's true. Amen. But we have these churchified things that we say, right? That we sit there and people say, hey, listen, and, and we wonder why the Spirit of God maybe doesn't move. Imagine if we created an atmosphere when people said, hey, how are you? And you sat there and said, you know, today was terrible. It was rough. And you could actually just be honest and know that nobody's going to go, well, don't say that, brother. Don't say that, sister. It's a bad confession. True. <laughs> you get that from your father. <laughs> when people are like, hey, how are you? Most of the time, I've just kind of learned to be like, oh, yeah, I'm great. You know, but it's not from a place of, I don't want you to see my stuff. It's from a place of, I don't know if you can handle it yet. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's awesome. What, what here's, what, again, um, imagine and flip that around. Imagine. <laughs> Again, imagine if I am, if I'm with you and we built a place where if I understood, like I said before, if I'm standing before you, I can handle your stuff and you can handle mine. How do I know that? Because you're here. Yes. Absolutely. 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 And it's a process. Please hear me. I'm not saying, you know, that the first time you walk up to somebody, it's like, bleh. Right, you know. Yeah, not everybody gets to know your deepest. But, but you don't just walk up and it's just, but yet at the same time, I want to talk about, but we need to learn to turn that opacity down and drop those pretentious things we put up allow ourselves to be seen but the biggest thing is is but be looking to see others be looking to see other people yes and yes uh, ladies first go ahead that's right That's right. 12 steps to a better life. Right. I just need to feel that, hey, I love you anyway. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. people don't want to bring down the mask because we've heard all the 9,000 steps. 9,622 steps to a simpler life. That's right. <laughs> yes, that's true. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly right. And again, it's letting people be where they are. Right? It's letting people be where they are, seeing them for where they are. Right? And then we're going to look at this, and you might be the one that you see their future when they don't see it yet. Yes. Right? You might be the prophet in another man's life where you see their future when they don't see it yet. Mm-hmm. But you gotta, you got to stay with them while they come to the reality of where they are and to where they can be and where they're going. Right? Now, real quick, I don't know what time it is, but let's go to Matthew chapter 9, I promise. We'll land the plane. We'll come back next week. 10 after 12. 10 after 12, thank you. Uh, you want another preacher joke? It's 10 after 12. Who will give me five more minutes? Anybody give me five more minutes?
Anybody? Five. Anybody else can be five minutes? Ten. That's right. Fitness. I got to play. Come on, we'll have some fun. Good to see y'all. Thank y'all for coming. Good to see y'all. All right, Matthew chapter 9. We're going to begin, and we'll start with this story, and we'll land after this one. And we're going to walk through the next coming weeks to let you know where we're going. Is we're going to walk through the Jesus stories that will be similar to this, where Jesus saw people and something happened. And we're just going to take our time to go through the stories and look at them and open them up and see what we can discover. Right? So it's in Matthew, very famous, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, and he taught in their synagogues, and he preached the gospel of the kingdom, and he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, look, can I start with there? Can everybody say amen? Amen. How awesome is that? Very. Very cool. But guess what? It's not the answer they were looking for. What we're about to read is astounding to me. Now, please hear me. I'm all for let's do some teaching. I'm all for let's do some preaching. I'm all for let's do some signs and wonders and healing miracles. So please do not get me wrong. These things, I love them. I want them. I want to see them happening. But then Jesus didn't stand up and go, man, that was enough. It says here, so it must say Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus was teaching. I think he, he's probably a pretty good teacher. Excellent. Right. Jesus was preaching, probably a pretty good preacher. Definitely was a great healer because every time you see somebody coming to Jesus to get healed, not a soul left him sick ever. Right. <laughs> So his, his, his rate of return is quite high, right? But it says, but when he saw the multitudes, and notice how this begins, he saw the multitudes. What, he, what had he just been doing? Teaching, preaching, healing. I mean, we'd, we'd leave Sunday morning if there was some good teaching, some good preaching, some healing. We'd be, man, we had church. But Jesus says he saw the multitudes after he taught them, he preached to them, he healed them, and he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered as sheep having no shepherd. So in this one story, he looked up and said, teaching, preaching, healing isn't sufficient to fulfill the need for relationship." Can I just meddle just a little bit? Right? Today, teaching, preaching, as much as you will see me teach, you will hear me preach, and I believe in God to see miracles and signs happening in our church family, I'm also aware that it is not sufficient for your need of relationship. Because he looked up and said, they're wandering around as someone who doesn't have one to care for them. Because that's what a shepherd is, right? A shepherd was one who cared for sheep. And so Jesus looked up and said, wow, they have no one with which to care for them. He saw them. So you're going to see this pattern, right? Jesus sees them. He sees where they are. And he sees the need. And he is aware of what is needed. 
And in the act of seeing his heart, and as we talked about last week, and it says that moved with compassion, he, he was doing the spiritual pee-pee dance, as we said last week, <laughs> right? Because that word means moved like you got to go to the bathroom kind of moved, right? So, I mean, I, again, I said last week, all of us have had a time in our life where we have had to go. You have got, if I got to go to a bathroom or I'm going to make a puddle, one of the two things is going to happen. That's the word there for moved with compassion. He was so moved by what he saw that he could not do nothing. He was so moved. Guys, listen, part of this whole how do we see things is we have to see things and be willing to let it move us to the point where we would say, I I can't not do something. I can't just stand back here and go, well, that was interesting. Oh, that's in, that's neat. But I have to be opening my eyes enough to allow what I'm seeing to move me. So Jesus sees it. He recognizes the need. He allows it to move him. And it says, and then he turned to his disciples and said, the harvest truly. Now notice this word is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, again, can I meddle just a little bit in church world? Is this all right? Notice that Jesus preached, taught, and healed. But that wasn't the need he was praying for. See, when he sits there and he looks up and he says, man, this harvest is plenteous. We need laborers. What kind of laborers was he talking about? He was talking about people who would be willing to care for people. How many times again we've heard this to say, so we need more preachers out there, amen, praise God. Right? No, Jesus was doing a right fine job teaching, preaching, healing. When he looked up and he said, oh, wow, people need people who care. The harvest needs people who will go out and care for one another, care for other people, who will go and minister that way to other people. Now, please hear me. I'm not down in preaching and teaching. Y'all hear that, right? But I think sometimes we miss some of these dots and we paint everything with the same old brush. And when we do that, we limit what God was actually trying to say. So Jesus told then the disciples, hey, listen, here's the action. I'm being moved by what I see. And he, again, he says, you need to understand that the harvest is plenteous. So it's how you see it. And you need to understand what the actual need is. And the actual need is we need people who will go care for people. So ask God to send more people who will care for people into the world. Amen. Does that make sense? But that whole process happened because of what he saw. My translation says weary and scattered. And to me, that is so, I see weary and scattered. We, we are weary and scattered. Absolutely. In our culture today, Pam, we are way weary and scattered. Right? And part of caring for people is to gather them. Protect and to give them a place to rest. 
Give them a place that is comfortable in your life. Amen. Does that make sense? Again, if I can just inspire you to pray about this, it's, it's why I encourage every believer that would listen. Do you have a regular time where people can come to your home? I'll tell you one, one missionary story, one more missionary story. We lived in Mexico City and had the privilege to meet a man by the name of Wayne Myers about four or five times. Y'all heard of Brother Wayne? Brother Wayne is a very, very cool man. Brother Wayne is a true modern-day apostle. Uh, kind of some neat stuff on Brother Wayne and his story. He, he was a sailor on the USS Enterprise during World War II. Did y'all ever see that new movie, Midway? Anybody saw the new Midway movie? Uh, the new Midway movie highlighted the USS Enterprise, right? Wayne was on that boat. But he was born again and spirit-filled along with a few dozen other sailors on that boat. And Brother Wayne tells the stories about how they would gather every night when duties were done and they would pray. And the Holy Spirit would tell them where the ship would be hit and attacked during the next battle. And they would run around and say, hey, try the best. Unless you've got duty station there, try not to be on that part of the ship. during the, and, and they were 100% accurate. That the ship would be attacked. Wherever God told them, that's where they were able to save countless sailors. Now, unfortunately, there are people who were on duty stations who had to be there. Right. But Brother Wayne talked about that was Brother Wayne. Right. And he was just this young guy. So he gets out of the Navy at the end of World War Two and he receives a call to go to Mexico. And it's so cool. Brother Wayne would pull out in his coat. He always wore a coat. He was one of those old school preachers. Right. That never he never caught the man without a suit jacket on or a sport coat on. But if you'd ask him, he would pull out an old yellow and weathered three by five card that he wrote on at the end of World War Two when he was at Bible college. And it had the three points of the vision God had given him to go reach Mexico for Jesus. I said, like, oh my gosh. And he would just be with, and he'd be with him every day. You could ask him for it was there. But Brother Wayne, the real point of why I'm telling you about Brother Wayne, by the time I met Brother Wayne, he was in his 80s. Now Brother Wayne is pushing 100 and still going. Miss Martha, his wife, just died on us this year. And she went on to heaven. And she graduated. But Brother Wayne, I remember we, about two times we... We met him four or five times. A couple of times we were at his house. And we go to Brother Wayne's house. First time I go to his house, I walk in the front door. And I walk in, and, and his, his uh, living room was just on the right. And we're going to go eat Martha's fried chicken. We were really excited. So, uh, and biscuits, and it was a good southern meal. And so we were ready because we'd just been eating Latin food the whole time. So we're walking back there. And I pass, and there's a man, another man sitting in his living room. And I say, oh, Brother Wayne, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Do we need to leave? I didn't know he had company. He says, oh, no, no, no. No, he's just here for the peace. The peace. He's just here for the peace. And, and I must have had that look on my face. I was like, he, for what? He says, oh, people come here all the time just to sit in our home. Because the peace of God is here because we are here. And so he literally, he would just leave his front door unlocked. Now that in Mexico City, <laughs> which is not the safest of things to do unless you know what you're doing. But his home was known as a place, and he had pastors and ministers who would come in, and they just needed to sit somewhere in the peace of God. And they would just let themselves in. And they would go sit in the living room and just soak in the peace of God. And Brother Wayne would just begin, Brother Wayne, he'd just walk around. But he made room. 
He made room in his life. He opened up not just his home, but the atmosphere of his home. Now, listen, I, I say that as a picture of what we're talking about. I encourage us to consider where we live. I encourage us to consider what we own. I encourage us to consider the atmosphere that you generate because of the heart of God that's on the inside of you. And is there a welcome mat for those places to your world? Could people come and sit in your peace? A, do you know that you have the ability to create that kind of a place? B, do you understand that probably there should be room for others to sit at that place? Amen? Maybe the reason why you were blessed with what you were blessed with is for that there. Does that help? Again, I said it this morning. It was a new thought I said at the Irondale campus I'd never considered before. Because just in case people look at me and go, well, Brad, what are, you, what are you saying? I'm saying I think it's time we think really radically mm-hmm. about how we live. Mm-hmm. And you might sit there and say, well, Brad, you, you're talking about just opening my life up and letting people come in all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I am. Yeah. I, I really am. Hey, well, 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 but Brad, what, you know, if, but, but Jesus, and Jesus got away. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus took time away from the people. And you're right, he did when everyone was asleep. When the world was asleep and Jesus needed to be alone with Father, he went when people were asleep. But when his world was awake, his home was wide open. His life was wide open. I know I am. Does that mean I'm messing with all of us? Does that make sense? He lived this, this way in which when his eyes were open, his world was open. Amen? Again, I just, just going to let you marinate. I'm not going to put any dictates on that. But I want you to marinate on that. Amen? And to look at that. And that's what I mean by priorities. Right? What does it look like to expand my priorities? Right? It's this, it's that. Are my sacred places open for those that God would send? Are my sacred places so sacred that no one can come and join me there? Jesus had a very sacred moment in the garden that night. And he realized it needed to be have more people in it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, Lord, we love you so much.